Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. I'm finishing up my week in Lagos, Nigeria, currently recording this from a hotel lobby in Okoye, right next to Lagos Island. I'm heading back to D.C. tomorrow night to very much enjoy my time here in Lagos, and we'll have a blog post coming out very soon on my thoughts on the Startup ecosystem here. But now to today's episode, I am joined by an early pioneer in Lisbon's startup ecosystem, Pedro Vieri, the co-founder and CEO at Beta I, or Beta E as it's correctly pronounced. Beta E was the original startup incubator in Lisbon and was created to boost entrepreneurship and foster a true innovation culture in Lisbon. Pedro and his team have done a phenomenal job so far, having accelerated over 850 startups that have raised 65 million euros since 2010. Pedro is also the managing director of LC Ventures, a Lisbon-based pre-seed and seed fund, the host of Seed Camp Lisbon, as well as a number of other roles critical to the overall health and community building of the Lisbon ecosystem. We had a little bit of technical difficulties at the end of the interview and uh, was unable to record the final question of the quickfire round, what is Pedro's favorite thing about living in Lisbon? So if you want to know the answer to that, you'll have to reach out to him directly. Uh, but the rest of the conversation was fantastic. And so now I'll pass it off to Pedro Vieira, the co-founder and CEO at Beta E. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond. Here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. All right. So, Pedro, it is great to have you on the show. Uh, I would love for you to take us back to 2009. Uh, this was in the wake of the financial crisis. A ton of people were leaving Portugal. And you and your co-founders decided to plant a flag in the ground and, and launch Beta I. And so can you kind of talk us through the, the months around that and, and tell us how you came to that decision to start Beta I? So I have an international background, so I lived abroad when I was young. So always had this global mindset since the beginning and gave me a, a good perspective of the world and uh, also always wanted to so I, I was not very connected with, uh, with my countries so when I come to university to study when I came back I really wanted to create an impact in, in, in the country so my background is business I did first investment banking and banking I don't know exactly why then I went off to do a, a gap here around the world and I, I came back and I, I decided to become kind of a social entrepreneur. And that was before Betty. In a way, I, I kind of kicked off also the social innovation space in Portugal. And from that, I got a deep sense of purpose, of change making, of really the, the purpose that you have to have to create an impact in your, in your country, in your society, in the world. Then after that, I went off to kind of get a tired of, of, of the social things or too complex and I really fell in love with, with design thinking, methodology and all the creativity and innovation process and also fell in love about technology and, um, and we felt that technology and co-creation, innovation and entrepreneurship is a great way to, to create an impact in the world. So uh, in 2009 I was 
working into other th things. And I, I, I just felt that the city of Lisbon and Portugal had an incredible potential to do something different, to become an international hub of startups. And so I, I, I come up with this uh, idea of doing an organization for supporting the next generation of entrepreneurs and also for creating a space where people could really uh, co-create and just start building an ecosystem of innovation startups. And I was lucky that at the time, one of the things I started doing was talking with a lot of people, having lunches like, like everyone tries to do it, and having lunches, meeting new people. And I found amazing people trying to, to do incredible stuff at the time. Some of them were starting with a TEDx, other were bringing the startup weekends, other were doing their own things at universities and corporates. Instead of doing everything by themselves, I, I asked, why don't we come together and do an organization? Because one of the things that lacks and really jeopardizes a lot of these initiatives is the lack of critical mass. And it's everyone not willing to collaborate. We came together and started this, this movement that became BTI, that had at its core the really the, the, the will to support the next generation of, of entrepreneurs and start building an ecosystem in Portugal, a global ecosystem. And, and yeah, so that was while everyone was leaving, everyone was frustrated. We had ma mass, massive strikes on, out in the streets of Lisbon, but we were <laughs> organizing events and hackathons and, and doing pre-accelerators and really talking a different language. And I think that the thing we did was creating a new narrative and creating a sense of hope and creating a space where these people that were not in line with what was happening on the society could come together and and they believe that okay this is it's possible to do a, a startup it's possible to do something else because at the time we came Portugal was is a the South European country very Catholic. Um, very close in a way because we have old borders, big companies was, uh, and so it was very traditional. So entrepreneurship is not something that uh, people do easily, especially when if you think at a global scale. So every, everyone had a, is very very afraid of just to fail and all that kind of stuff. And so I think we created a space where new things were were, were possible to to dream. And, and yeah, so, and if you see now, a lot of the entrepreneurs that now are really doing well, a lot of them, this, the seed was planted during those days, during those small events, those gatherings, those, and I remember Silicon Valley Council is one event that we organized with really, really well. And when we brought seed camp then to Portugal was really important. And we, we, we did the Lisbon challenge, which became a really top accelerator. And it's all those small seeds, one after the other, start changing the, 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 the landscape. I mean, it's really incredible from an outsider's perspective to just see the, uh, the change from back then, from 2008, 2009, where Portugal was into now, where Portugal is really leading one of the leading ecosystems in Europe. And I think a, a lot of different factors play into that. How many years would you say before startups and entrepreneurship and innovation became more of a mainstream conversation? Uh, because, I, you know, as you mentioned, when, when you started, it was, it was more of like, you know, smaller community. So what was like a, what was a catalyst? I mean, was Web Summit kind of the big catalyst locally that brought everything into the mainstream? I think there were 
uh, several milestones and moments, different moments of the ecosystem. Maybe the web summit's like the fourth phase. And uh, okay, like Brad Fells writes in his building a startup ecosystem, it takes 10 to 20 years to build an ecosystem. Huh? So I think in this new generation, we are around 10 years now. The first five years was completely a desert, was completely frustrating, was uh, very, very, very hard. I was, I, I felt, and all of us felt like we were preaching on the desert. No one listened. We went inside Portugal, outside Portugal, selling Portugal to everywhere, talking with investors, going to, to other startup hubs everywhere, and no one really paid attention. So it was very frustrating. And then I think the outside, the first moment was the Silicon Valley Council was the first moment that the local ecosystem came together. Investors, this new generation of startups, and corporations. It was a, the first time that I think was a common language and with a global mindset was created. Then I think the second milestone was with FitCamp. So when we did some investments here, it was really important to show to the local investors, the local ecosystems, that there were a lot of good startups here that was that were great to be invested internationally. And I think the third was the Lisbon Challenge. Then I think that what changed, but is less linked with with, uh, with BetaE, but was when we start seeing, I think the Web Summit would not be as significant if we wouldn't have investments with Farfetch or investments in Fitzai and Babel and uh, and talk this all of these these companies we have three unicorns which is quite impressive so i think the web summit appeared at the time that a lot of things started to become consolidated yeah unicorns international investments all these uh, startups that's also uh, we, we had a lot of international investors coming investing in the country the city of lisbon played a role so the, uh, the city hall they start investing, they opened the startup Lisboa. They supported a lot of things that we created. They and they really, really Tony Costa, which is now the Prime Minister, was very, very in favor of startups at the time. And I think he saw that at the, during a time of crisis, betting on something that was not the obvious might make sense. And he, he had that vision to support what we were doing. Then I think there was a secretary of state on the, on the previous government uh, was Carlos Oliveira and then also João, João uh, Vasconcelos in the government, that there were two good, great secretary of states with a, a different vision, younger, more uh, outgoing. And I think they also did a lot for, you know, on the government side to promote uh, a new way of thinking, uh, uh, initiatives to support entrepreneurship in, in, in and innovation. And that also contributed to the decision makers to start, okay, this is not just bullshit, it's, uh, it's something that is becoming relevant for everyone. And yeah, so and, and on, the, on, the, on, the, on the entrepreneurship side was, was all these investments. So suddenly, from 2014 14 to 17, there was over 300 million euros investment uh, in Portuguese startups. And then it's, in the last Two years, if you consider Farfetch and uh, Out Systems and uh, Talkdesk, is over a billion. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a significant money that came into the into the ecosystem. And that makes a lot of sense. That something like a web summit it, it shines a spotlight on the ecosystem, but there had to be some foundation 
laying first to actually, you know, build up the ecosystem. So when Web Summit did come from uh, Dublin to Lisbon, the spotlight that was shown on on the ecosystem, you know, unveiled all the traction, all the foundation that had been built by people like yourself in the years leading up to that. Now, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned, so I think you said 2014 to 17, there was 300 million euros that, that was invested into the ecosystem. When it comes to early stage capital versus, you know, we'll, we'll say beyond the Series A capital, you said before that Portugal and Lisbon is a little bit heavier on the availability of seed capital and Series A capital. Uh, and, and so do, do you feel like now in 2018, moving forward, that gap is kind of filled by, by local VCs or, or do you think that's still an issue? Still an issue. Uh, just to still add, an issue. Just to add on the, the last comment, I think the talent here is really good. Being a small country, we have a global mindset and this changes a lot. It's something that the investors, when they talk with the startups, they see founders that think globally, like you see in, in Israel or in terms of VCs, I think when I mentioned the money uh, that was invested in the ecosystem, most of it is international. Uh, and uh, there were like a few rounds were, that made, I can send you more details or I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know it by heart, but we had like 64 scale-ups, but I think a lot of international investment came. We have, yeah. Also, a lot of investments coming, investors coming uh, more to Portugal. One of the events that we had was the, the Lisbon Investment Summit. That also was a very good way of gathering investors around the startups. Uh, also, Portugal Venture appeared as well. But uh, I think maybe three, five deals made like 80% of the, of the money and uh, five or six deals. And uh, that was mainly international uh, investment. In Portugal, uh, there's a Considerable amount of, of local VCs. In the, in the beginning, when Portugal Ventures appeared, uh, started, was a, the first public VC was very uh, promising. They had a considerable amount of money to invest, but it, they kind of fade away. And now they're not no longer that strong, but yeah, they're still active. The other VC that was quite strong, at, uh, and because there, there's some bad news, not only good news, Caixa Capital was very strong. And, uh, and kind of, uh, with the restructuring, re- restructuration of the bank, they also slowed down this activity. Also, Ash Ventures, with the collapse of the Spiritus Bank, also had a huge backlash and is still recovering from that. So three of the main VCs are less active than they were some years ago. But there are new players starting. Uh, on the on the business angel side, there was a massive uh, co-investment scheme from the government around almost, you know, there was 20-something 20, 20 million on the business angel side and 80 million on the, on, the, on the VC side, so around 100 million, leveraging around 200-something million. So in the last year, two, two years, there was around 200-something million euros of fresh money. That went to around you know, 40, 50 new business angel vehicles and to around 20-something new VCs. But from those VCs, most of them have government money, like ourselves. We also have our investors. And the, those, the, there's still some strings attached. So you have to be incorporated in Portugal and so on. So it's for some founders that, and I think in that sense, the, the web summit and all, everything is happening. It's good because if companies come to Portugal, then they can incorporate 
part of it here, and so it's easier for the local investors to invest directly. But there's very few global investors based in Portugal that can invest cross-board uh, in any startup. That's uh, still a constraint. There's two or three VCs that are, long, that are closing funds right now that are in line with that. And there's some other VCs like Patena and a few others that are, that are also global players. But there's still a gap on the Series A, B, C. There's no money for Series B in Portugal. And a, a, a normal UK or US uh, Series A round is also very difficult to raise in Portugal. There's us always to be with international lead investors. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I used to think that a lack of local capital was, I guess, a, a bigger problem than I, f- I feel like it actually is. Because, I mean, l- like you said, like the big unicorns in Portugal, they're, they're still getting funding. And, you know, v- venture capital is somewhat globalized in a sense that, I mean, if you have a great company, a great product, and you're crushing it, you can raise the capital you need to, a- almost ir- irrespective of where you are in the world. That was a big difference. That. Uh... Before, and what maybe this uh, web summit contributes a bit to is the technological and uh, juridical and talent risk that Portugal had before is no longer the uh, issue. So international investors, they believe in investment thesis that supports that operations are based in Portugal for global startups. Even the, if they incorporate in the UK or in Delaware or wherever they are, have to incorporate, but if the, 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 the core of the operation is in Portugal, is no longer a risk. Before it was, they wanted to, to bring the operations closer to them. And I think with these investments, there were a few startups that really did it well, that supported the case. Now, in this new thesis, the good startups coming out of Portugal, they can raise money anywhere. Right. So one thing I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts on, because, I mean, you've seen... Since 2009, a lot of the successful companies go through their their growing pains. And what have you seen to be the common traits of the founders like uh, like like Vasco Pedro from Unbabel or uh, Daniel Rujo from Attentive or, or Farfetched? Or you know, w- what's the difference between the, the Portuguese founders that 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 really are able to build a scalable company and and the rest? I mean, are there common traits? That, that you can think of or point to? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned three different levels of, of, uh, of uh, entrepreneurs in terms of the size of the, the companies you have. But I think the common thread on all of them is that they all had an international background. Uh, Daniel worked in Google abroad. Vasco worked, lived 10 years in the US. He's a PhD, worked on Google in San Francisco, PhD in, on, on, on CMU. So they, they had an international experience, which is quite important. Uh, and a lot, and, and this is good because Portugal has a lot of liquidity of talent. A lot of people went abroad and now they're coming back. So, but all of them, they had a, a global experience. So they're outgoing, they're hustlers, they have the connections, they speak very good English, they, they are very focused. They understand quite well of the technology they're, they're working on, they're product driven. So they're very good founders. And this is, was the, the case that's, like I said in the beginning, also with when Seedcamp like, invest, made some investments. It was a surprise. Good Portuguese uh, entrepreneurs, they are great on product. 
they're great on on the value proposition and, and, and selling. They're great hustlers. They grow a lot with very little money. They they are very good in, in terms of usability. Their customer support is great because Portuguese founders and the culture we are very flexible. We understand a lot of different cultures, so we can coordinate and manage different kind of teams, different kind of investors, different kind of of, of, of partnerships very well because we, we have this uh, cultural flexibility and uh, and in technologically uh, yeah so, it's, so, so they're great founders because of that. What all of them also were able to go outside to be able to to incorporate elsewhere to have very good relationships and and nurture a relationship an ongoing relationship with with great investors um, and so that really trusted in them because it takes, it's not easy to do that so when you have founders that are too focused only on portugal or on a specific geography they forget that you have to really to to, to start nurturing a, a relationship with with a lot of different people from day one and at the same time being focused so they are the kind that kind of, of, of founders they were all also all uh, able to surround themselves with good people, and and they are good managers in that sense. Uh, um, now, when it will, when they are growing, Portugal is becoming a, a bit of uh, uh, we need more talents. So hiring hiring uh, uh, great talent is, 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 is sometimes can be a, a, a challenge. But it's, so many people is uh, so many companies are coming to Portugal. Become, Portugal has become such a uh, well-known hub, but now there's a lot of people coming back and there's a lot of foreigners coming here. So I think, yeah, those those are good founders and more and more you see great founders. Sometimes, of course, when they grow, some founders have to take less relevant roles in, the, in, the, in their organizations in the startup, but that happens everywhere, not only to Portuguese founders. And, and Talkdesk or Uniplexes or the other startups, some of them, the companies were grown and they had to hire a CEO or they had to hire a CTO that was not the founder, but that's part of the, of the journey. Right. So Pedro, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round, four questions up to 60 seconds per answer. How does that sound? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking too much now. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. You're good. Uh, so for everyone coming to Portugal for Web Summit this year, Outside of startups, outside of the conference, what's one thing you'd recommend people do while they're in Lisbon? Come to Bethany. Uh, <laughs> now we're doing a party uh, on the seventh. So we could do we're doing a party. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, just embrace the vibrance of the city. I think it's a great vibe. So if you just there's so it's difficult to say one thing, but I think the. On the the best is always on the on the on the after the web summit after the so I think the night summit's an amazing place to be. And, yeah. What is your your favorite business book or or just a book about startups? Whoa, tough. <laughs> I, I'm terrible in favorite things. Let me think. I'm reading all the time and uh, and uh, I love scribble. Just now I'm reading something that's not a startup. But now I'm reading a book about collective mind from Jeff Morgan. But uh, but I I read it's like you like sprint. I like very much things around uh, um, 
zero to one or the hard things about uh, the hard about doing hard stuff. I think there are two books that for entrepreneurs are quite good. Zero to one, and uh, I think a good entrepreneur has to read a lot of a lot of stuff. If you go only with the mainstream, everyone says the same things about the lean startups and all those kind of things. It's great to know and understand those things, but you have, as an entrepreneur and as a CEO, you have to read a lot of stuff. And uh, because, yeah, because managing is that, it's being on the middle of that, that verb of things. Yeah, I would agree. And I, I would say, you know, you, you have to read because you're, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, your ideas and convictions have to come from internal sources and they can't come from what you're reading in, in, in the mainstream. And only only repetition of books can kind of instill that in you. Yeah, yeah it's an interpretation of, of that. You have to be, but you have to always be reading, always, always, always. I try to read uh, one to four books a month. That's good. That's very, very good. So, Pedro, what is the startup vertical that excites you the most for 2019? Again, I'm terrible with that because... As at BTI, we are in so many verticals. I think for Portugal, one of the, what we are quite good at is uh, everything with the enterprise software. But for, for me personally, I love more and more applying technology to solve things that, that matter. Energy, water, clarity. I think there's a lot of topics that, that are uh, too hot right now and everyone is talking about. I think the most interesting is applying those tech, great technologies and these models that are appearing from the more standard digital sectors, industries, and apply them to solve challenges in uh, more traditional uh, uh, industries that will have a huge impact in the world. So I, for me, it's that. It's applying the modern technologies and business models to problems that matter. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 